at the end of the day, we got to talk about shit. If you don't talk about the shit, you won't get through the shit. That must cope. Where's my water? Oh my gosh, I'm about to panic. All right. So the first question is, growing up, what was your relationship like with the loved one that you lost? Um, it was a little bit different. He wasn't, he was around when I lived in the same state as him, (laughs) but, um, me and me and my mother and my stepfather, we were, we were in a military family. So we moved around a lot to different States and whatnot. So I tried, we tried to, um, see each other and, you know, fly back and forth this, that, and the third. But as I got a little older, I noticed things started getting a little bit more difficult to see him, but I didn't know if that was because of, you know, whatever he had going on with my mom (laughs) or, um, you know, I wasn't sure. And then, you know, things just kind of stopped when, um, when did things kind of stop? Oh, I know the exact time. Things kind of stopped when, um, my stepfather adopted me and I took on his last name, like everything kind of just shut down. And then I went to college. I went to, um, I went back to college to the state where he lived in and then all of it just kind of came right back on. And so we started to, um, see each other again and see each other a little bit more often. And since I was 18, you know, I could, do what I pleased. So I guess maybe that was the issue. I'm not sure, but we had a good relationship. I loved him. Uh, <laughs> loved him a lot. Um, I'm definitely a daddy's girl for sure. And so with that being said, um, uh, so basically it's like, okay, you had your, you were, you were living with your mother and your stepfather. And, um, do you think that the, uh, adopting part of it kind of created like a I don't want to call it a a, a, what the heck do I even call it but do you think that huh like a rift maybe yeah like do you think that was just because like a being in his his point it's kind of like okay like whoa like you know that's still my child do you feel like that's what might have um tore a little bit in your relationship I do. And it's kind of funny because, you know, when you're a kid, you don't get the full story. So (laughs) you don't know what's going on. You just know that all of a sudden stuff isn't happening anymore. So I do think that maybe that might have hurt his feelings a little bit. I'm not sure because I do know he had to sign some paperwork. But I mean, we always talked. You know, we, you know, he talked to me through my cell. I don't think he really talked to, you know, my mother and whatnot. So I'm not sure. I do know that that might have, that may have caused something because I know that afterwards it was, we had an argument. (laughs) I I can't remember what it was. I think I asked for some money and he was like, um, I guess he had an attitude that day. I'm not sure, but we got a big fight about it. And he was like, well, ask your dad. And I was like, oh my God, how dare you? You know, you can't say that to your kid. So yeah. <laughs> it was, um, that, that had to have been it. But again, when you're a kid, you don't know the full story. So, you know, when I would go to see him, he would tell me certain things and it wouldn't match up with the things that my mom would say. So I know that may have, definitely created something in our relationship but you know when you're a kid you love your parents regardless you just want them to you just want to be around them you know I'm like I don't care about all that I just want you to see me I just want to talk to you I just want to do this and that 
So, you know, I would have liked for him to been more involved. Um, before that, he did not come to my high school graduation and that hurt my feelings. Uh, now, I wasn't sure what was going on with that. I mean, I'll never get the answer now, but <laughs> maybe I'm not sure. I'm not sure, you know, you're a kid, you don't have all the answers. So it's like, okay, did my mom say something? What was it? <laughs> and I think that's something that a lot of parent, it's like a, a lot of parents, parent to child conversations need to be had. Um, because like the thing about it is like you're saying when you're a child, it's like, okay, this is not your business. So what's going on between me and your father and me and your mother, like me or guardian, whatever. It has nothing to do with you. All the child needs is the love, okay? They don't need to see the rest of the bullshit. But then at the same time, they have to suffer the consequences of anything that takes place between the adults. So then what happens is you get older and it's like, I still got I got still got questions to some of the shit and you may never know like whose fault it is for certain things or you know you could be holding a grudge with someone and you don't even know that this person intercepted it and you know it's not what things like seem and I think that that's tough like I feel like a lot of parents should have those difficult conversations absolutely, absolutely. when the child gets older you know like okay like look you know there was a time where you didn't see your father and for years, you did not see your father. And I did have something to do with that. But here is why I didn't allow you to see your father because I saw multiple times when your father would say he was coming to see you and he didn't do that and how that crushed you. So as a mother, what I did is I took the t time to protect you. So I was like, okay, if you're not going to be serious, we're not going to play those games. And of course, it's not going to be an easy conversation, but it'll help the child to be like, okay, well, he didn't just abandon me and she did what needed to be done because, okay, she didn't want, you know, me to be let down or whatever. But instead, it's just like, okay, well, fuck my dad because he used to not come around and shit. And I was with my mom every day and you don't even know to have. Yeah. Like that, that's, that's so unfair. But my next question You've already kind of discussed this um, a little bit, but I would like you to go into more detail without um, stressing yourself out. Could you walk me through your childhood up until now with that person? I know it wouldn't literally be now. Um, and so like that could be even, um, you know, summarizing certain things, but there might be um, certain impactful things that happen, like you said before, when your last name got changed. So little things that might have been very impactful on y'all's relationship or your childhood, if you could just share with the listeners so they can understand a little more. Oh, definitely. Um, so I remember him being, <laughs> I don't remember being born. I'm not gonna say that. <laughs> um, I do know that he, he picked my name. So um, my name came from him. Um, we were inseparable when all of us were together as a family and I, I still, I just was always a daddy's girl. Like we will always go to the zoo or we would, um, just trips to the flea market and whatnot. Um, one of my favorite memories that we would have is we would take, um, we would go and eat lunch at, he was current, he was in college at the, at the, at the time. And so we would go and eat lunch on campus. And funny enough, throughout my life, throughout my life, that was the school that I wanted to go to. That was my very first choice. And I got accepted into that school. And I went to that very, that was my very first uh, college that I went to. Um, fast forwarding up until 
like maybe middle school, elementary school and middle school, things started getting a little funny. I think I do remember um, when it's so hard to remember when you're a kid. I remember court. I definitely remember being in court and I remember my mom just always being angry. And I remember um, having to share time. And then all of a sudden, like I would spend time with him, but I wouldn't spend time with her. And then I just remember this big fight and I think it had to do with money. And my mom threw some coins at him through the window. (laughs) I just, I have no clue what the conversation was about, but that memory will forever live in my head. And I probably should ask her about it one day, but it's, you know, it's still, it's been years, but his death is just still a little sensitive to everyone. Um, I remember that. And I remember that day um, and the like weeks around it, my mom asking me who I wanted to live with. And I had picked my dad. (laughs) So then I was living with him. um, Then I was living with him. I would spend, it it was kind of weird. Like I was, I was tied between the two. I'm not sure if I spent summers with him and school with her, or I spent a year with her and a year with him. But it was split, and I loved it because I mean, I got the I got the best of both both worlds. Then my mother um, remarried to my stepfather. But the crazy thing about it is, I didn't want to go to their wedding. <laughs> I did not want to go to the wedding, and so I. Oh my didn't. gosh. Yeah, I didn't want to go to the wedding. I was so sad. What was funny, funny enough, a a memory that there's a picture of. (laughs) Everybody laughs at it now. Um, My mom and my stepdad and me were at a jewelry store. And I think they were looking at rings and whatnot. And so I think he proposed to her in the jewelry store. And she was so happy and so excited. And I bursting out in tears. I couldn't have been no more than freaking nine ten years old I burst out in tears I was so upset I was so freaking angry and someone took a picture of them and you see me in the back just in tears (laughs) it was just funny because I mean I just wanted it to be you know I guess I just wanted it to be me my mom and my dad and I always felt that way and I've just um I mean you know you're a kid you just you always want the original unit no matter, you know, I, I'm, I'm so grateful for my stepdad and I love him very dearly. And, you know, I would do anything for him, but, you know, as a, as a kid, when you have that, that split dynamic, there's always something in your, in your heart that makes you want, you know, the original unit. So that happened, they got married and he was in the military. So she, we, um, had to move. And I think when that move happened and we, um, where did we move? I think we moved to Michigan. We moved far. We moved literally across the country from the deep South up into, you know, the North. So just moving, I think that was the immediate start of the distance between everybody. And, you know, it just became phone calls instead of actually going to see him. But I do remember going on me as a kid in middle school and in elementary school I remember going on those planes and always having a flight attendant next to me I I, I remember I was so young and always having a flight attendant next to me 
if I was a kid, if you're a kid and you go in the airport and you're flying alone, I'm not sure if they still do this anymore, but there's like this secret room <laughs> that's just for kids. And there's a bunch of kids in there and there was candy and snacks and stuff being watched, you know, until your flight arrived. And it was, it was cool. I had a blast, but not realizing now that that probably, you know, messed me up in some kind of way, just sitting here flying back and forth to, to each different parent. Then it became not flying at all. And then it became him being a telephone dad. And I think me being young in, you know, as it transferred into middle school and I'm starting to get into puberty and I'm starting to, you know, boys and stuff like this. And, you know, I talked to him, but I wasn't really talking to him. Like I wasn't talking to him. I wasn't talking to my mom. I wasn't talking to anybody about anything that was going on. I mean, I told my mom, of course, you know, when my, my beautiful period that every woman loves in their life, <laughs> I talked to her when that happened, but, um, anything like anything dealing with boys or anything. I just did not talk to anybody because I felt like nothing nothing was right. Like nothing, just like everyone was just into their own thing. I felt like my mom was just so in love with my stepdad and that she just hated me. And I felt like my dad didn't love me because he never came to see me. My, you know, it, it just, it was hard. It was really hard moving away and having to accept a new dad and not wanting you like, I can't say that you can relate, but I mean, a few that are in, you know, split relationships with their parents can you know, you have that new person coming in and the first thing you do is you immediately hate them. <laughs> you immediately hate them. It's like, you're, you're not my dad. You're not my mom. I don't know who you are. You think you run things around here. Da, da, da. And then this person is just sitting there trying to love you and trying to, you know, be as patient as they can with you. And I, I thank him to this day because I know I was probably a very difficult child to deal with. I was, um, not difficult in terms of behavior. Um, well, yeah, <laughs> behavior too. I do in middle school when we moved, that's when I started getting into a lot of fights. Um, I started getting into a lot of fights. So I'm not sure what was going on with me in my life, <laughs> but um, then we it was to- a transition. It was. It was a big transition. And I didn't like anybody. And I was still getting into those fights. And even still, like, from elementary to middle school to high school, like, I didn't talk to anybody because I felt like nobody cared about me. Because it was like, if y'all cared about me, then none of this would happen. If you cared about me, then you would come see me. If you cared about me, you would care about my feelings and not be up under my stepdaddy all the time. Like, why are you, you're so focused on him. You're so focused on his husband. You're so focused on this new baby. Cause then when I was, um, 10 years, 10 or 11 years old, my mother got pregnant with her new husband. And so then it was all about, you know, the new baby and da da da. And I love my little brother. I love, love him to death. But you know, as a kid, it's just, my life was in shambles to me. <laughs> so, um, that was going on. And then we moved again. We um we moved from Michigan to Indiana. Then I had to go to a different high school, and and <laughs> we had to go to a different high school. Still a telephone dad. I hadn't seen my father in probably maybe about three years. And it's it's you know you start to really 
just kind of reserve yourself. Then I, that's when I noticed that I started to become very introverted. I started to kind of just go up to my room and not talk to anybody. Cause it just seemed like nobody gave a fuck. Like you, everyone's living their own life while mine is falling apart. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, what is, what is the point? What is the point of expressing myself? Because all you want to hear about is any success that I have, or did I pass that test or did I read that book? And so I immersed myself in reading and, um, watching TV and this, that, and the third. So, but when I would talk to my dad, um, he would always, that would be our thing, at least on the phone, what we were watching. So we always, um, watched, oh, hold on to that. Sorry, I'm getting a little emotional. It's okay. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. And I just want you to know that you're not the only person that's got emotional. Um, Somebody else that I recorded, they cried. And um, I'm going to tell you this just for some comfort. It won't probably help. But because of these episodes, I decided to be vulnerable and share my own story. Um, I didn't lose a parent, but I did lose my first love. And so I recorded the episode, but I was so nervous and I was so hesitant about it that I did it on my own by myself. I like mm-hmm. asked myself the questions and I answered them. So then when it's like time for me to cry, I'm just like, yeah. And so then sometimes because I literally was just like, uh, nobody else can make up for this. Or like, do I just pause? Do I just shut up for a I second? Like, <laughs> All right. I'm, be- I'm better. All right. <sighs> so, um, what we did have were what we talked about on TV or what we watched on TV. I would, you know, I'm still a daddy's girl. I have not seen this man. And that's still just the love of my freaking life, but could not talk to him about boys, could not talk to him about what I was going through mentally or anything because I just, I don't know. It's just like my mind just kind of shut down. So we would talk about um, this TV show called um, Samurai Jack that was just our show and so we would talk about the episodes we would talk about what he did we would would just talk about just how cold he was the artwork this that and the third and like that was our shit like that was our bonding thing to talk about and then we would just talk for hours and hours and hours sometimes about absolutely nothing but we would just laugh and if if anything I, if any memory I can remember with my dad is just us laughing. We just was always laughing. And that's probably why my spirit is what it is now. And I can, you know, just kind of laugh and giggle through things. Cause it's like, it's so much worse that, that could, you know, be happening. And not to say that, you know, you should wear your trauma like, like a badge or anything like that, but just, you know, just laugh. Like it just, Ain't that funny? Well, well, look at what the hell we got going on here. You know, like <laughs> you just gotta at a certain point like laugh because that's life. Like it's 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 gonna be okay. So I did that with him. I had those those moments of watching TV with him and movies, this, that, and the third. And then he's um then high school came, boys came, <laughs> getting free, getting um running my car into a pole came, you know, prom came and things like that. And that's when I think things started to take a turn in my emotions. I think my, um, just not having him there. I was attending a high school in, um, 
up north and he was all the way in a southern state and it just it's like why where where are you why are you here and you know I would ask him for money and this this, that and the third because duh I'm his daughter but then like I started to feel bad about asking for money because it's like okay well am I supposed to be asking you for money like do you are you you know I started I just started feeling bad for just the, the the simplest things and I think that's when the shift in my mental health happened as well. Like I just started feeling bad for asking anything out of literally anybody. So it was a lot of, a lot of guilt there. And um, like, I felt like everything that had ever happened to me was my fault. (laughs) Cause then, you know, I was 11. My little brother, remember I told you my little brother came with the new baby and then he was one years old. Um, everything was great. I loved him. I had an older brother. I had an older stepbrother as well. I had a stepbrother and a stepsister that I that I gained from um, his family. From our so now we're all a connected family. And so it was myself, my younger brother, my younger half brother, and my older brother, my older stepbrother, my older stepsister. She was off and an adult already and living her life in the world. <laughs> but when I was eleven. And my little brother was one. We were 10 years apart. My older stepbrother got um, hit by a truck driver and he passed away. And so. Oh my gosh. I'm so sorry, Liz. (laughs) It's all right. (laughs) And so. Dang, I need a moment again. (laughs) Got a lot of life. It's okay. And it's beautiful. Um, Yeah. See, I look, I had my own moment. I didn't even know what to say at that time, but it, it happens. And this is why I really love like the beauty of recording these types of vulnerable moments. Look, there goes that nervous laugh. <laughs> but these types of vulnerable moments, because I feel like people don't realize the courage and the strength it takes to get up here and talk about your fucking life. And yeah. you can feel like, oh, I'm good. You know, I'm talking about simple shit or whatever. But like reliving these moments, it can bring back so many emotions. And mm-hmm. I really encourage people to open up and to talk with someone and then also to listen to these type of things because it helps, you know, like you're not alone. Like I can talk about this. I can feel these emotions and I'm going to be okay. Right. Like, you know, it hurts still and that's okay. Like, it's okay that I'm still processing this. And sometimes it'll also help you to realize like, okay, maybe I'm not over this. Like I had one episode that made me realize like, oh, I still got some healing to do. Like that shit triggered the fuck out of me. And I thought I was good. Like it really happens. Yeah. And um, I know a lot of these moments I'm never going to be able to get over. I just have to kind of live with them death it these deaths that have happened to me I'm never gonna be able to get over those you know it was my brother my I absolutely was in love with my brother like <laughs> like my oh my older stepbrother we watched wrestling together he taught me how to fight like <laughs> like just things that you know I never had before I never had an older brother I had to It was just me. Like it was just me. Then my little brother came in and then we had that blended family, um, thing. So, you know, there's the, there's the space there that, and then you try to connect it. And so for us to be able to connect as a stepbrother and stepsister, I really did appreciate that. So he passed away and that kind of, spiraled me further into being like this completely introverted person like I literally hate everybody (laughs) 
but I never showed that on the surface. I was just always this, this very sweet person. Um, always kind, always smiling because I made a promise to my old, to my older stepbrother when I was, um, when I found out that he passed, we were in the hospital, you know, waiting for him to just freaking show that he was the hell alive. <laughs> and I heard my mom scream and I had my little brother in my lap and he was one year, he was like a little bit over a year old. I, I remember I was 11 and I heard my mom scream and just be over the hospital bed and then that was the I think that was one of the very very few times maybe one or two times that I've seen my stepfather cry and that's what like I, I felt in my heart I was like okay he's gone and what was so crazy was that I wasn't sad my I was sad but my my very first instinct is was to take care of my little brother and so I just started, I, I don't know what I started doing. I think I started singing to him, reading to him or some shit. I don't know what I was doing, but I just kind of zoned out. I completely zoned out. And I'm going to be honest, I don't even, I don't know if I ever really kind of tapped back in after that moment. I kind of permanently zoned out for, mm-hmm. I, I think I, I think I permanently zoned out for maybe years. It probably years up until a couple of months ago when I started therapy, I've just been a, a zoned out person for the rest of my life. You know, on the outside, it's like, Oh my God, this is a great person. He's laughing, smiling, always cracking jokes. But you know, on the inside, I hate everybody. <laughs> so that happened in high school came. Um, I was doing all these things. I was in, I was playing volleyball. I was running track. I was, um, president of the French club, you know, this, that, and the third, trying to do everything that I could do so that I could get into my daddy's college <laughs> and, um, still having him as a, uh, as a telephone dad, we still had a good relationship, but I definitely felt the, um, the shift in my mental and the shift in my emotions. I started getting a little bit angry instead of, um, questioning like instead of inquisitive I've always been an inquisitive person but it started to become more angry so I went off to college and now all of a sudden now that I'm at his home college in his home state now all of a sudden he's immediately pulling up to see me like my first week there I think my very first week there he was there three days later so like it was confusing to me I would and it just it made me so fucking angry like where the fuck have you been at for when I was boohoo crying, where were you when I wanted to freaking kill myself and I stood in the middle of the damn road waiting for a fucking car to hit me? Where were you when I got when I got caught with my boyfriend in my house? And like, you know, like where where were you for all of these moments? Where why didn't you just even fucking just cuss me out? Cuss me out over the fucking phone. Where were you? You weren't any freaking where. Like I had nothing. All I had was us laughing and joking on the phone and talking about fucking Samurai Jack. I didn't want that. I wanted more than that. I wanted a fucking father. And it was, it was so confusing to me that now you're just so accessible. But now that I see as an adult, you know, maybe things take a turn in terms of his accessibility to me and in terms of what he can now do for me. So that's, you know, possibly a conversation that I need to have with my mother, but I don't think that I'm ever going to have that conversation. (laughs) 
I think that I just may have to just make some peace with it. So college came, we became best pals. <laughs> we were back, we were the two amigos once again. Um, I still forgave him. I was still, you know, I still had that anger in the back of my head, but I still forgave him because, you know, it's my daddy. Like, of course, that's my daddy. So then I transferred. I transferred schools. Um, and I went to a school in North Carolina. And can we say schools? I've been trying to like That's up to you. Yeah, you can do that. That's it's completely up to you. I've been trying to like not say states, not say schools. <laughs> no, you don't have to be that filtered. <laughs> Okay, because I'm talking about Elizabeth City now. Yeah, you can say it. That's up to you. <laughs> okay, so then I went to um, I went to Elizabeth City. I went to the school in North Carolina. Complete like freaking what is that? That's like 18 freaking no, it ain't that far. <laughs> it's probably like 14 hours away. Either way, it was not accessible to him anymore. And then we got back on that telephone shit. And then I started getting mad. And then I started, man, I think I still have the fucking phone conversation if I have it. I think, and you know what's so crazy? This old freaking eight plus that I have, where is it? I just know I probably have never deleted it. It's this, this old phone that I have. I know I have, I haven't got a new phone. I sit here and I say it's because. I miss my home button and that I, the real truth is I don't want to delete these fucking texts from me and my dad. <laughs> I don't want to delete these texts. I don't want to delete these voicemails because like he'll just be gone. You know what I mean? That's all yeah, that I'll freaking yeah. have. And so the last conversation that we had was me in college. I think I was just, just broke. I, you know, everybody just be broke in college. And so I think I asked him for like $50 or some shit like that. And he just made it a thing and it infuriated me. Cause it's like, I don't ask you for shit. All I do is we talk on the phone. I laugh and this, that, and the third. And then he said some shit like before. And he was like, ask your dad. And I was like, why did you say that? Why can't I do this, that, and the third? And then he like, he went on his spiel and was like, let me know when you want to talk. And he was laughing. And I think he was laughing to try to, ease the moment but to me it felt like he was laughing and he was mocking me and he didn't think it was I, he didn't think the conversation was serious enough about what the hell I was talking about and so I was just so freaking angry at him because it just I'm just I'm, I was just asking for some freaking money and then like that little moment that should not have turned into a big moment catapulted every all freaking 22 years of the anger that I had with him and I just let it all the freak out and this is all through text messages all over the phone because I couldn't see him because he's freaking all the way across the country and so I was furious and I shut down and I zoned out again and he would text me and he would he would try to talk to me and I would not talk to him and then come to find out that was the last conversation that we were freaking have. Oh my gosh, I'm crying with you. I'm so sorry. And Take I'm your seconds. 
Yeah. <laughs> Take any time that you need. It's okay. Ooh, shit. Oh my gosh, I had the same experience. What the fuck? With a different person, but that shit really fucks you up <laughs> mentally. It's really hard to like. It really fucks you up. Not blame yourself. Um, it, it's it's impossible for me to not blame myself. So I'm back. I'm back. I'm ready. So it's the last conversation we have. I didn't know that that was going to be the last conversation that we had. And so I'm at the mall. I'm back in Charlotte. I'm um shopping. Oh, what was it? Oh, I remember everything very vividly. Let me stop playing like I don't remember. Um, I went to go get a massage at the mall. It was my favorite little massage spot. It was like $30 and you get 50 minutes. You go in this nice little like yes i'm about to have a massage self-care day this that and the third <laughs> got me a nice massage and then my um my mom called she said hey babe where are you at i was like i'm um i just so much death has come to me in my life that i can tell when my mama is calling me to tell me somebody died <laughs> She said, hey, where you at? I'm like, but I was in such bliss from the damn massage. I wasn't paying it no mind. And it could not possibly have been my damn daddy that died. And so um, I said, she said, where you at? I said, I'm at the mall, you know, um, getting a massage. She said, oh, okay, well, we going to come meet you there. And um, this, that, and the third. I mean, we always used to just meet up at the mall because um, they lived close. Um, so then... Okay, so then she called me again. She was like, all right, let me know when you're out from your massage. So I get my massage, and then I leave. There's a bench. Um, excuse me, sorry. There's a bench right outside the um, massage place. And so they're all just sitting on the bench. And I'm like, hey, what's up? Um, she was like, how was your massage? And I was like, it's cool, but I could tell in her eyes, it was, it was something serious because I could tell in their eyes and I'm like, and I just stopped all the, the shit, you know, the shooting the shit and this, that, and the third. And I'm like, mama, just tell me. And she was like, it's your dad. And I said, what? And she said, she didn't even, she never, she still to this day has never said it. She was just like, yeah. And. I found out my daddy died in the middle of the fucking mall on a bench and I just fucking lost it. Like I just completely lost my shit. Like, like what? Like what? No way. Not, not my daddy. Like that, that man is fucking, I hated him, but he was still Superman. And like, that's the, that'd be the thing between moms and daughters. I mean, not moms and daughters, dads and daughters. It's like, you, you hate that nigga, but he is still Superman's you. Like he can never do any fucking wrong. And I just remember screaming. I screamed for probably two days. And I just remember that semester. Like, I think I failed every single last one of my classes. And I think I had did that for like two semesters straight. And like all of them, I knew, I knew that I was getting talked about, about my grades, but I just, I couldn't share that with anybody. Like what I was going through. I just, I locked myself in, locked myself in my, um, my dorm room and just did not talk to any freaking body. And if like, if we, if you thought the zoning out was bad after my brother died, I completely zoned out 
after my dad died and all that I had, the last conversations that I ever freaking had is me sitting there fussing at this man. And it's, it's like, I all like, like, like I what? Have a question. <laughs> yeah. Was this while I was at school? Yes, ma'am. I literally, oh, sorry. I be, I'm, I'm. I'm an empath. <laughs> so now I'm over here. Look, I remember this. Um, I didn't know what was going on, but I remember a change in you. Yeah. Because was, yeah, and then everybody started talking about me and that my grades were this low and this and like it was like they, y'all weren't realize I was like it like the deepest depression of my fucking life. And before <laughs> that, weren't you working in student life? Be- before that, I was the SAC vice president. I was uh-huh. president of the I was doing every damn thing in that bitch. <laughs> and then it just, it shifted. And there were a couple of other factors that factored into that, that did not help my trauma in any type of way. But, um, I, <laughs> that's for another episode. That but I just feel like to bring like the audience that doesn't know you mm-hmm. up to par and up to like, speed with things mm-hmm. it's literally like you know like you can say you were an introverted person like I never knew about your personal life but yeah. one thing I did know was you were going to be smiling yeah smiling <laughs> laughing That's any me. of that that was me I was always smiling I was always laughing I was in student activities I was with the shits I was on the fucking elevator like <laughs> yeah I was even for year, years after, even after you left, still on everything. Like you made your impact, and you I made always, your mark. I always, you know, tried to do the best that I could there, you know, because I, I had big plans. You know, I wanted to, you know, I did. I wanted to be president of this. I wanted to do that. I wanted to pledge a sorority. I wanted to be successful because I didn't want to fail. Now the like the the guilt of failure or the guilt of something going wrong and I spoke with this with my therapist um a couple of weeks ago she said well why why are you so afraid you know of things going right for you I said and I told her I said I feel like somebody's gonna die as soon as something goes good for me that's probably the most honest thing I can say on here every time that I think something every time that that my life is going too good I feel like someone is going to die it's a common fear it's very common and like um it's so funny because people that are listening to this episode, these episodes are going to be like, dang, everybody said the same thing. But people don't understand how death impacts a person. Yeah. And like literally the shift for you was then it was like, I didn't see you no more. When I did see you, it was just like you were very reserved. And it's like I could tell like it seemed like you were trying to fake it. But I'm like, dang, something's up with her. And you're right. People were talking about you. Mm-hmm. I didn't really know what was going on, but I'm just like, dang, she must hate it here now, whatever. But nobody really took the time to be like she's going through something she's not okay like and you should not have had to say anything for you to get the support that you needed there was an obvious shift there bro like at the end of the day like and I I don't think that's right and I still um and I still tried to do my best I still was even when I left SAC I think I was still working in student life I was still tutoring the basketball team and then like my grades were so bad that that was taken away from me I was like, oh, God, (laughs) everyone hates me. It was just, it was a really rough time. And so then um, I just did not come back. And I just needed a a break 
from everything and just dealing with that and trying to not feel like it's your fault. And let's, let's then I get to the funeral and I ask, I finally get the courage to ask, you know, how, how did he pass away? What's going on? They, um, my cousin and my aunt, his sister and his niece talked to him almost every day, every other day. Remember I had not talked to him for a while because I was angry with him. The last time I talked to him was, um, April of 2015. Um, so they used to talk to him every day. Then all of a sudden they had not heard from him. So she kept calling, kept calling, kept calling. Nobody, uh, heard from him. So she asked, she called the police and asked to do a, uh, his sister, my aunt, asked to do a wellness check at his um, house. They um, get there and we find, and they found him dead in his chair in his um, bedroom. And he had already been dead for two weeks. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So, like, adding on wow. and then coming on realizing that he was sick. I knew that he was sick cause we had talked about it because he had, um, he would get pneumonia a lot and he would not sleep. And so now that what's crazy enough that I've become a night owl, um, he would not sleep. And I know that sleep was affecting his health. And I remember he like, he would always just fuss about how he wasn't feeling good. He wasn't getting no sleep. And I'd be like, okay, well, did you take your medicine today? And he would never want to talk about that, but I would talk about it. He'd be like, yeah, all right. Um, yeah, I'm gonna take some today. And so it's like adding on to the, the fucking guilt that I have like, okay, well, if I, is it because I was angry at him that he stopped taking his medicine? Is it because I was not talking to him anymore that he just lost, you know, all like every, every single day of my life. And up until from that moment, how can I not feel like this shit is not my fault? Like it catapulted my anxiety. It catapulted me feeling like everything that I've done was my fault. Like it was not up to chance. It was not just life. Like, no, I directly did something to make me fail or I directly did something to make this person hurt or to make this person die. I did that shit. I am, it was me. And so I just shut everybody out. I zoned out. Even when I would go to my family's house, my family, Right now, my family lives 30 minutes away. There was a point in time where I saw them maybe once every two months because I just wanted to be by myself that bad. And I still, um, with thank, thank, <laughs> thank Therapy, I am slowly, you know, warming up to them. And now I'm coming to see them, you know, once every two weeks. And then um, now I'm going to see them once every week. And then now it's, you know, slowly becoming a casual thing. But I kind of just drew away from everything and everybody because I felt like I was the problem. It was no way that I was not the problem. It was no way that everything that ever has went wrong in my life was not because of me. And it took, I had, what's, what's funny. I had stopped. Um, I had stopped therapy because I, um, quit my job. My job was being very, very racist. Um, 
And when I let my area director know that they were being racist, they egged my car two days later. I let HR know and um, I put my my notice in for the month. And um, when I did that, they egged my car a couple days later. Then HR called me back and said I didn't have to work for the rest of the month. So I had my health insurance for the rest of that time. And then my health insurance ran out. So I could never do therapy. And so I could never finish my therapy. Then for the last... Um, for the very next session I was talking to her, she, she was like, um, she was like, well, what do you want to focus on the next session? I said, the next session, I am ready to talk about my dad. And lo and behold, my damn <laughs> insurance runs out when I'm finally ready to talk about this nigga. So <laughs> this shit's funny. I found other ways to. Let me, um, let me tell you what's funny about that. So, um, you know, I told you that I lost someone too, mm-hmm. right? So, um, I started therapy for a different reason, but it it's always been known with my therapist that she lets me know I choose the direction of what we're working yeah, on. Definitely. And so, um he the person that I lost, um, my first love would continuously come up somehow, some way. Like it'd be like, Why are we even talking about this nigga? And mm-hmm. she noticed that I avoided anything that I I avoided anything with relationships I acted like I just had no type of intimate life ever in my life and so (laughs) when when she brought it up she was just like you know I'm not pushing you I'm just saying and I'm like oh you trying to challenge me like I could talk about this Mm -hmm. I was not ready but Mm -hmm. I told her finally I said okay I said my next session I'm ready to talk about it went to my next session and we decided that I was going to begin grievance therapy to unpack everything pandemic hit and so mm, 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 mm. it was like, okay, what the fuck? Right. Um, we were able to continue sessions because um she offered like telephonic, well, video. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that ain't the place that I need for grievance therapy. I need to be right in there in the room with you so I can leave this shit right there. I can't yeah. be in my home sitting here with these demons. <laughs> like mm-hmm. you gotta leave that on the table. <laughs> exactly. So like I had the same type of experience where it's just like, damn, I was ready and now here the fuck we go. Like that shit can even fuck you up because it's like, you know, it takes so much to get to that point where you're like, okay, I can do this. Absolutely. And then it's like, well, what the fuck is this? I was ready. And now this, like, it's like, damn. And then it's like, okay, well, who knows if I'm going to continue to be ready? Maybe I don't need to talk about it. And so much starts to happen during that time. Absolutely. So now, then then that was another thing. It's like, all right, well, is this my, like, the the anxiety that I have is ridiculous. And it's slowly starting to get better with my own, you know, with the things that she taught me and the things that, um, the things that I try to do myself, I had to take, um, I did, I had to get on some antidepressants and I just, my days got a little bit brighter. I wasn't afraid to leave the house. There were some days I just wouldn't even leave the house or there'd be some days where I would leave the house to go grocery shopping, but I would sit in my car and I just like my, my chest would just start freaking hurting. And then I look around, I'd be like, is everybody watching me? Is everybody trying to figure out what the fuck I'm still doing in this car? Like the just shit, the thoughts just build up of just being around, being around people. I felt like if I, like something was going to go wrong, like the, <laughs> it's ridiculous how, how that shit attacks you and it attacks your mental and it, you don't even, you can't even function in life. Like, like literal 
years, literal months and years of your life you cannot remember anymore because the anxiety was that great and the fear was that heavy that something was going to go wrong because of something that you did, that all of those beautiful moments that you may have had with people are those great memories. Like you cannot, you just can't remember them. And I look at pictures and I'll see this happy person and I'll see this person, you know, from when I was at Elizabeth City, I'll see this person doing all these good things, but then I don't, I don't be remembering half of it because I would be crying in a hole. <laughs> so it's, it's crazy. <laughs> It's definitely crazy and it's definitely an experience and I feel like um, a lot of people go through that one the guilt and then also the fear that comes after that guilt like Mm -hmm. it literally it's like for me I had like a two part it was like okay now I'm scared to get close with anybody or whatever but I'm also scared to process this and move on like I literally would tell my therapist well yeah I can't do that because then it's like I forgot about him and she's just like why do you think that you can't move on with your life Mm-hmm. And I'm like, nah, because like, if I love them, I can't, bro. Like, I got to hold this with me. And she's just like, no, you deserve to move on. Like, you're alive. You can mm-hmm. live your life just because you continue and you're not dwelling on it doesn't mean that you care about that person any less. And that was really hard for me to fucking grasp because I'm like, how? Like, please tell me how if I just be like, well, fuck it. Okay, it is what it is. It happened and I've come to terms with it. No, this is where we are. Like, what type of person does that make me? Right. And then the other side is like, just being so scared because it's just like I can't go through no more like I done went down a deep fucking hole so let me just isolate myself so I don't have to deal with no shit like this but that doesn't work either like that tears you apart yeah. and then isolating yourself so you don't have to deal with it and then you you lose friendships because you don't want to talk about it because you don't want to relive it you don't want to sit here and then even if you do, you don't want to have to re-explain your trauma to to a new person and just doing it over and over and over again. It's like, well, why why do that when I could just be in my room and watch TV and just not deal with anybody? <laughs> no, for sure. <laughs> like, why not it's just keep not, it simple for it's myself? It's not healthy at all. And just so there was a um, even th- that my 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 um my father passed then my freaking grandfather passed i think like 6 months later like it was just it was a terrible year for me it was absolutely terrible um and just dealing with that moving so i left i left the school i left the school about just everything just started tumbling down and i came to charlotte and i started working I just started working I'm like all right well maybe college isn't gonna work out so let me just start getting a job so I started bartending um being social this that, and the third and then started you know back dating again I was dating in college I had a pretty serious boyfriend but just never like me not having that person like just being just being angry again at my dad because like I had all these boys and I had all these issues and all this cheating and knowing what to say knowing how to keep a man quote unquote you know like knowing how to do the right things or or say the right things or how to even just fucking be myself I did not have a dad for that I didn't I just had someone laughing on the phone joking about stuff you know and maybe that you know and that goes back to that self-guilt thing you know maybe it was my fault maybe I shouldn't have brought it up you know maybe he did ask me and I just kind of was just a little too reserved about it so it's 
there's so many unanswered questions and I would sit and it was one day, um, I say probably about a couple months ago, I was in my, I was in my room and I just like, I don't know. I just broke down that day. I was just missing him. And I started screaming and I just was like, what the fuck? You left me with all this shit. You left. I don't know how to fucking date no fucking body. I don't know how to fucking do this. I don't even know how to fucking kill a bug. I don't know how to do none of this shit. Cause you like, I'm sitting here cussing out a ghost. Like (laughs) I'm in my room cussing out a ghost because it wasn't fair. I felt like life was not fucking fair. I felt like one of them bitches that the dudes always talk about that has daddy issues and that didn't have a father and was broken. And so I didn't deserve a good man because of, and it's like, you don't like men don't realize the dumb shit that they say because none of that shit was my fault. I had like, what, what are you talking? Like, yeah, I got daddy issues, but that's cause that, that nigga was the issue. Like, <laughs> so it's it just, just angry for so long and confused and trying to figure out my place in life and in relationships and, and just what the fuck to do with my damn self. Like just, just what to even do with my damn self was, is a journey that I'm, that I'm just now embarking on with me just, just getting therapy and just dealing, finally dealing with all of these things and all of these emotions. Cause I mean, I had some, um, even emotions with my mother, me and my mother have, uh, grown apart greatly, but now I've, um, now we're, I'm slowly starting to rebuild that, rebuild that relationship with her. And just just starting to come back to life, starting to not zone out anymore, just just figuring it out day by day. Honestly, it's it's rough. It's really rough. And there are still those days. Like even um recently, I um my mother was ill. She was in the um she was in the hospital. She had a major surgery, and so like the past couple of weeks, I've had to um you know just help just help her out here and there. I've had to help. Like, well, I'm going to be fully transparent here. I've had to help her get in and out of bed. I've been been sitting at the hospital, you know, from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. until, you know, whatever, trying to figure that out, trying to find a freaking job, trying to make sure my dog is good, trying to help my little brother with his paper, trying to do this, this, that, and the third. And then I'm sitting here still angry at this woman. Like, <laughs> it's been a lot, and it's a lot to unpack, but that actually hurt being ill and her not feeling well opened my eyes up to a lot of things and it made me um go over there way more often I've been at my family's house for two weeks straight now I have not been with them consecutively for that long amount of time in years absolute years and I know they can tell because at nighttime um, when my stepfather comes back, comes in from, comes in from work, they get, they, um, come in about seven o'clock. Everybody comes in, you know, he has practice or this, that, and the third, I kind of like bolt out. <laughs> I'm like, all right, da, 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 you know, dinner's in the oven. Everything is ready. Like I'll have to cook lunch and cook dinners, this, that, and third, you know, and I would just bolt out because I, you know, I'm still that introverted soul. I still need my time. I just need to fucking recharge like shit. Cause I got to do this shit all over again at eight in the fucking morning when you leave. But it's, um, it's making me remember what having a family is like. And it's, it's nice. It's very nice. It's very refreshing. It's, um, it's an experience that I have not allowed myself to have ever. And you deserve it. And I do. (laughs) And it's nice and it feels good, but it's just, it's just taking me a little bit 
it's just taking me a little bit to warm up. And I know they're going to be patient with me because they are. But they, they'll say those those little things. Like, she'll text me like, hey, you want to come over for dinner tomorrow? It's like, all right, bitch, look. <laughs> I ain't been home by myself in goddamn two weeks. Give me a minute to recharge. Walk my dog. Poop and watch, you know, whatever, you know, in my leisure. Just give me a second. But I appreciate that because I know that's them. They just want to see me. They just want to see me and they just want to love me and they just want me to not be this introverted person that I am when I am over there. And it's just ridiculous because of the contrast of how people that don't know me see me on the outside looking in. I'm just always this person that's laughing. I'm always cracking jokes, this, that, and the third. But on the inside, you know, I got a lot of battles that I done fought. I got a lot of, a lot of stuff that, you know, and I say that, I say it, I say it, um, I say it not too often, but you know, like people wouldn't blame me if I gave the fuck up. Like it's, it's a lot that I have been through. It's a lot that we haven't even talked about. It's more deaths, more, you know, just a lot, but I can't, I can't keep living my life in my room. I can't keep doing that. I have to get out of my room. I have to get out of the car at the grocery store. I have to take that step and not just take my dog out to pee, take her out of poop, and then go right back inside. No, take the dog for a fucking walk. Take the dog for a walk. Sit there. Enjoy the roses. Smell the, you know, smell the sunshine. Smell the sunshine. That don't make no damn sense. <laughs> <laughs> Literally live and not just exist. Exactly. You know, like, and um, I'm glad that you've done that and started to take that because it takes a lot to get there and like you said there are going to be those days where it's just like I'm not fucking with it it's too much for me but it's so rewarding after all and sometimes it'll make you even feel a little silly because it's like damn like this what the fuck I've been missing out on like I'm I know (laughs) this is life like what these people been doing this this whole time like Oh my God, having a family? Like what? <laughs> For sure. But it's just like, you know, the the better way to look at it, it's like, okay, well, damn, I took control of this shit and I'm getting yeah. back to this and I, I deserve this and I'm going to get this shit Absolutely. or whatever. And like, I really want to commend you and just push you to continue to do it. Don't push yourself too far. You know, always give yourself grace, but keep going because it's a journey and every day is not going to be easy, but in the end, it will all be worth it. You know, like there are going to be some times where you're unpacking stuff and it's just like, whoop, hold on now. Shit. (laughs) But you know, there are other times where it's just like, you know, this is what I needed, you know, and what you're doing now, it just creates a like, avenue too so if something was to happen you have those people you can go to you don't have to go under that shell you know like and it will take time to have that comfortability there but it's just like you know this is my family you know they got me I, even if it's just like I'm going through something and I don't want to talk to them I know now I can come around them and not be alone and not isolate myself and just slowly pull yourself out so I really want to commend you there and just just say, keep doing that shit, girl. Keep doing it. And I do want to wrap up, but I do have one last question for you. Of course. And so my last question would be, from the outside looking in, to have a friend, a family member, anything that experiences something even it doesn't even have to be what you went through, but similar, what advice would you give that person? 
to help someone like you like whether that be like you know like hey check up on them more or whatever what do you feel like you needed that you didn't get um I needed therapy (laughs) I definitely needed therapy but I mean I had to go through you know that's easy to say everybody's like oh go get some therapy like that shit like everybody just just throws it oh just go get therapy like it's that's not it's not that easy um if there was anything I should have allowed myself to grieve I never allowed myself to grieve I kind of just kept it to myself did what I had to do, went about my day and then cried at night alone. I should have, you know, I had my, I had my moments, you know, like I do have my moments on, um, his birthday and things like that, where, you know, it just, I just can't get past it, but just, I should have took that time instead of jumping into the, I know, I noticed when I, that, that is something that I'm noticing about myself when, when something terrible has happened to me or I'm experiencing some type of trauma or any type of mental or emotional strain, I jump into something. I immediately delve into, um, either whether it be work, whether it be a new, you know, new friendships, new relationships, party hopping, you know, being a socialite, this, that, and the third, I do anything to literally avoid just sitting down and discussing things. I think, um, I would have maybe as a friend, I think friends just maybe bothering me a little bit more would have definitely helped. I know I kind of pushed them away, but it was kind of, and this is not to slight any of any of my friends that I have, but I just, um, it was kind of a little bit easy to just be like, oh, I'm good. And I think that we all do that as friends. Like we all have that friend that's, you know, like I'm good. And it's like, no, and like, no, you're not good. Go, go see that motherfucker. You need to see that person with your own eyes and y'all need to sit and y'all need to talk and have raw conversations. Like I just had a, um, I've had my, this one friend for years and we, um, I finally, I just broke down with her about something. I broke down with how it made me feel. And we had been friends for years, but our conversations had never gotten that deep. It always got deep when it came to boys. And we always cried about this, but it never got deep about personal, real life fucking issues. And she was um, just expressing her emotions about her teeth. Like she just, like it's, it's, it's something simple to us, but it meant a lot to her. And for her to be able to open up about that now to me and for me to be able to receive it and actually sit here and ask, you know, are you okay? Well, let me, let's take you out to lunch and let's fucking like talk about it. Like you, like the advice that I can give is just go, go see about that person. You checking in on them, you face something like, oh, you good? All right, girl. Well, I'm just like, you want to come out to eat with us? Like, that's not enough. That's not fucking good enough. That's the bare minimum friendship, honestly. If we're going to be like really real and really raw about it, you're not being a good enough friend. You need to give that because they, it's so easy to mask things. It's so easy to not know what the hell is going on. Like even, even with myself, nobody knew what the hell was going on because I was just this happy go lucky person that was involved in all these activities and this, this and that. But if somebody has sat there and what the fuck is wrong with you? What is going on? I'm like, you know, not to, not pressing the issue, but really just making sure that you are listening 
and you're not listening to some bullshit that they want to talk to you about, but just, just, just really, really listening and, and looking at actions and recognizing what depression is and recognizing when someone is having an anxiety attack and recognizing when someone is, um, going into those modes and being that person that's available for them to even say, Hey, I'm not feeling this shit right now. I miss my fucking daddy. Like just, just really being there for them emotionally outside of parties, outside of relationships, outside of the the stupid shit that you can talk to anybody on the fucking phone about for 30 minutes. Like really just being there raw and vulnerable and being a raw human back to them so that they can feel like they can take their mask off for just, just a little bit, if not for a couple of seconds, just to cry. That's all I got. And you just gonna leave that shit at, that's all I got, like that shit with That's all I got! Girl, fuck out of here with your humble ass, well, that's all I got, like you said, some basic ass shit. (laughs) Thanks for listening to my Ghetto Talk Therapy. Let me just say, the math ain't mathin'. How I got a thousand listeners, majority of which listen on Apple Podcasts, and less than 50 reviews. Y'all ain't loyal? Hmm. Nah, but for real, go rate my podcast and leave a review. It truly keeps me going.